A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to The Shift. Um, so today's episode we actually recorded uh, nearly like a month and a half ago when we came back from Ireland. So uh, we had a great chat with Thomas Whitfield. We talked about sexual education, STDs. He gave us some great love advice. Um, we spoke about porn. At one stage, we talked about how to clean your vagina. So it's very interesting and a lot of fun. Um, Thomas Whitfield is really great, and I'm so glad we got him on. He actually created these sex education videos um, that he was inspired to create after he taught sexual education for adults. So the start of this episode... He's a little cut off, but that's what he starts uh, speaking with. So he was talking about how he was teaching this sex education and he didn't realise how much people didn't know. And then that's how he ended up making these YouTube videos called Shit They Won't Tell You in Sex Ed. So yeah, I hope you enjoy this episode and I will talk to you again at the end. Thank you so much. I found that in you know, teaching that for a couple of semesters, I was really surprised at like the stuff that people don't know about sex that's just kind of basic. And I thought, well, I mean, I need to do something about this. I want to do something about this. And I have a background in film and entertainment. And I was like, I'm going to make a YouTube channel where I can address a lot of the stuff that comes up that like isn't in the textbook or that people just don't know. Right. And but but you are you, you're doing a, a, a doctorate in psychology, right? Yes. With, that focuses on sexuality. Yeah. So, I'm so you're not just a random dude that's. Right, yeah, no, so I, so I have some background there. Uh, I'm, not I'm, like us. Yes, right. I was like, literally thinking that. Not like, not like two people with literally no qualifications whatsoever talking about uh, sex to Irish people. Right, so I, uh, I have a master's in psychology, a master's in philosophy, and I'm getting my PhD in um, health psychology and clinical science. So it's kind of the intersection between health and psychology, and the focus of all of my research is human sexuality, specifically um, HIV and STI prevention so really that health aspect of um of sex yeah and I mean I definitely want to talk to you about that but just just to in terms of the stuff that was coming up when you were doing the the class that you thought oh I'm gonna I'm gonna do videos about this what were some of the immediate ones that you said my god more people need to hear about this in terms of subjects yeah kind of so I, I want to say everything. Um, a lot of people not knowing the difference between HIV and AIDS. A lot of people wanting to understand why they date the people that they do. That comes up all the time. Like, I keep getting in these really unhealthy relationships, but I think that everyone that I'm dating is completely different. Why does this keep happening? And these are the types of questions that come up in a college class. Wow. And there is some research to back up a lot of those questions, but that's stuff that's not covered in the textbook. Really? So um, is there actually research covering uh like cycles of behavior and 
picking your partner i I mean uh cycles of behavior yes learning theory yes attachment theory attachment having to do with like who are the people that we become attached to as adults based based on how we were raised as children like there's a ton of um literature around those issues so i wanted to find a way that i could take like the scientific literature and sort of water it down and provide it to people in ways that would be digestible that they would actually be able to use to help themselves right and in terms of that subject, because that's that's a good one, it, you know, it comes up a lot. Are you like, I think you've said it. I've certainly noticed mm-hmm. it in myself. This sense of why do I always end up with a certain type of person? Or it's you. It, it's, it's you. It's, it's me. I, I, it absolutely is. It's, it's not bad luck. Uh, yeah. No, no it, I mean, I'm, I'm kidding. <laughs> if, uh, well, no, it's funny though because in every single relationship that you are in. You are the only person that is in all of those relationships. Like you are the common denominator. So if every relationship that you're at, that you're in ends up going exactly the same way, like it's you. You are picking the people that you're dating. And is there is there is there a few like common things that come up all the time? Is it usually a, a relationship with a parent or abuse or? Uh, I mean, usually abuse and the relationship with the parent are, are pretty intertwined. Uh, right. Most people that are abused, like it's usually coming from the parent, at least in the beginning. Um, I, I do think that a lot of it has to do with the relationships that we have with our parents because the households that we grow up in are the households that we tend to make as adults because that's what um, feels like home to us so like if you're used to a lot of fighting going on in your house you're probably going to have a lot of fighting when you become an adult or if you see a lot of love in your house like you're going to gravitate towards that as an adult because those emotions that you're used to are the emotions that you're comfortable around so even if it's like a negative emotion like anxiety or fear that's what you're going to gravitate to as an adult because that's what you're comfortable with that's what you're used to so part of like dating new people or different people than you're used to is forcing yourself out of your comfort comfort zone to like date people that make you feel a little bit different and Mm -hmm. i I, like i want to say uncomfortable but like not scared like don't go on a date with someone that you're like (laughs) afraid of or that you think is going to like physically hurt you but like someone that makes you nervous like that's fine maybe it's that you're nervous that this person is nice to you and you're used to people being mean to you no i i totally agree because it only took me recently to realize that i dated uh mean and angry and kind of abusive men just because that's what i not from my father my father's amazing but my my mother was definitely a, an angry person I saw that growing up so it's actually I can deal with that easier. I can deal with people shouting at me <laughs> than being nice to me so it took me only recently to kind of go out of that circle but yeah it was me finding it more comfortable to date men like that so totally relating to what you're saying right now <laughs> and, and it's great that you could notice it and it's difficult to notice that that you are in a pattern that leads you to dating the same type of person and that's also great that you're able to kind of like focus it and be like oh i'm doing this because i'm comfortable with it but 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 here's the thing though how do you stop yourself from let's just say like hypothetically mm-hmm. you meet somebody and you immediately like them and you think to yourself, oh, this is the one, even though probably you're going to end up in the same situation. It's not like when you meet somebody, you say, here we go again with another whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, th- the comfortability of it is like, oh, this is the type of person that I like. And yeah. it's only after you get to know them that it reveals itself. Yeah, because it does take a little time. That's a really good point. So I, so I agree with it and I disagree with it. Um, let me just before you answer let me just add one thing which is kind of not really comedy but i always think 
if I like them, that it's a problem. <laughs> that actually what I need to do is push past my lack of interest and mm -hmm. probably find somebody that won't make me unhappy, which is semi a joke, but semi true. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's, I mean, every, most comedians, I mean, as I'm sure you know, like there's truth in all of the jokes that they tell like yes, that's yes. that's why they're funny <laughs> um and uh i'm like comedy explaining <laughs> that's fine that's absolutely fine they, they don't have a uh, they don't have like a uh, a network of people that talk about how that's unacceptable just yet <laughs> it's coming though i'm gonna start yeah. it are you a <laughs> tweet are you me <laughs> you're mansplaining comedy to me. um but so uh, yeah, so I think that, you know, first off, we all have this idea that there is the one, which I just think is bullshit. I do not believe in a one for anyone. I think that you find people that you like and you make it work. Um, and I don't think there's going to be like one person that just meets every possible thing on your list that you could ever want. Um, it, it's just unrealistic. And I think that that leads to a lot of, um, devastation and disappointment um because we carry around these ideas of who people are supposed to be or who we're supposed to be with or who we're supposed to be at all times um but to get back to directly back to what we were saying so you go on a date with someone you think maybe like they're the one you're attracted to them because you're used to this cycle of feeling and i think that you have to question it hmm especially if you're someone that meets someone and right away you're like, oh, I'm enamored by them. I need them. Why? Mm. What is it about them? What are you telling yourself? What are you actually seeing? And what are you ignoring? I know that in every bad relationship that I've been in, and I've been in a lot of them, there have been things that I've purposely ignored because I didn't want to fucking see it. Mm. So true. The older you get, it's like you choose to ignore the red flags where before you couldn't see them but then you're older you're like oh fuck it i'll just mm -hmm. look past the alcoholism <laughs> or yeah it's yeah it's you're right you're definitely oh god <laughs> did this get it's too not, deep too trying, quick to, to i'm gonna die alone <laughs> maybe but that's okay <laughs> oh, i guess i guess no i want love anyway <laughs> you know it's funny because doing um doing therapy a lot of the people that come to therapy um i mean the vast majority of it has to do with relationships right. either they want a relationship they want out of a relationship or or they're just discontent um and a lot of it is is people coming in and being like, why don't I have a partner? Why don't I have a boyfriend? Why don't I have a girlfriend? I need to be with someone. I want to be with someone. And they just see it as this thing that they have to have to be happy. Yes. So they almost like come to therapy wanting me to tell them why they are not with someone. As though I'm going to be able to look at them and be like, oh, there's this huge thing that's wrong with you. You need to fix this. And then all of your dreams are going to come true. Here's the mirror. Have a look. Be honest with yourself. Right. <laughs> I'm just kidding. That would be quite cruel. So, um, so th that comes up a lot. Like, why do I end up in cycles? Of was there was there any other sort of buzz, you know, things that jumped out from that class that made you say, "I'm gonna do these videos." Uh, people ask. So, a lot of stuff around um, STIs and HIV all the time because I think that people that so not everyone had sex ed. Like the sex ad in the U in the United States is shitty. Okay, I don't well, know to, what it's to, like in Ireland. Just to tell you that it's almost non-existent. Yeah, it's okay. in, in recent years there's been some, but still would be probably inferior to any anything you've come across. Well, it certainly would be inferior to the majority of stuff you've come across in your research here in the United States. But the majority of Irish people, except for maybe the more recent generation, hardly had any at all. Also, it hasn't changed in twenty years. 
they whatever they're using is the same so um yeah it's yeah exactly what des said like we we had one but it was nothing about stds or anything like that yeah so ours here is different state by state um there is no like federal mandate um i believe that there are um 13 states in the u.s where the sex ed that you're provided has to be medically accurate um there are states where they can literally tell you like you can get aids from a toilet seat or from a straw like it doesn't have to be medically accurate at all Mm. um there are two or three states where the only time that you're allowed to talk about um, any type of sex that isn't heterosexual is if it's in the context of HIV or AIDS. Oh, um, that's the only way you can say. Yeah, oh, yeah. there are a, there are a few states where legally you're not allowed to talk about homosexuality unless it's um, in a negative way. Right. Jesus. Um, so there is this other way of doing it, but just so you know, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's going to kill you. Yes, Jeez. and God will hate you, or you'll go to hell. Like, yeah, I mean, anything like that. Yes. Um, so they're like sex ed in the United States is terrible. And a lot of stuff around um, STIs and HIV that people are taught when they do have sex ed is like, these are gross. You don't want to get them. Look at these disgusting photos. Ew, if you have sex, you're going to get that. And then no one's going to want to be with you. Mm. And that's such a disservice. So, I mean, I don't think there's anyone that's like, yeah, I want to get an, I want to get an STI. Like that would be fun. Um But when you're talking to younger people or a diverse group of people, like they are the highest at risk for things like STIs. And if you're telling them they're discussing if they get one, they're not going to get tested. If they do have something, they're not going to go get it looked at. And they're not going to tell their partners because they've they've already been so stigmatized and ashamed about it. So that just becomes this cycle. So I make sure that when I talk about things like STIs and HIV, that it's done in a very affirmative way way affirming way um yes and also without the uh without the shame right that like it's not the end of the world if you have one it don't have any fear about going to get checked don't have any fear about mm-hmm. talking about it mm-hmm. and i tell them where you can go get tested in the city i tell them exactly what testing looks like how the different ways are what they're checking for when they do things what questions should they ask um i think that's yeah. great the first time i got tested was here in america which means really I didn't get tested until I was 26. So that was wow. terrifying. Yeah. I mean, I think, to be honest, I think, the, convers- I think the, the conversations around STDs in Ireland aren't great either. I mean, I, I, I don't think there's a, a real positive conversation happening amongst people of you have to get tested on the regular. I mean, it would definitely have been a thing I've noticed over here that people discuss testing more casually here. Although I'm sure you would do research across the whole country as variations. But in New York City, I find people are way more open about it. Going to get tested, not a big deal. In Ireland, there's still a thing where you have to go to like the sexual health clinic to get tested to a degree. Whereas here, it's just like you go to your local doctor, get a test, no big deal. Yeah, I think that people here in New York specifically are much more open about going and getting tested because, I mean, we have ads for testing everywhere. It's on the subway. It's um, just anywhere that you look, you can see something about about STDs or STIs and, and getting checked. So I do think that, you know, there's a lot less stigma for it here. And the sex education specifically in the city is is much better. Yeah. And so how do you how do you tell people, say somebody's listening right now and... You know, they've, they, they're definitely, you know, they've had some unprotected sex. They've never been tested. And the main reason why they're not going is because they're freaking out. And they, they, they don't want to find out almost. It's kind of easier not to go. 
What do you say to those people? Everything is treatable. No matter what you have, if you have anything, it is treatable. And the quicker that you go and get checked out, the easier it is to take care of. Right. So, like, you know, obviously people say, yeah, but herpes is for life. Uh, yeah, I mean, herpes is for life, but there's a medication that you take daily so you don't have outbra- outbreaks. It's suppression therapy. The chances of you passing it on to your partner are very low. It's Valtrex, but only because it came up in our podcast earlier, right? Yeah. It was a, it was a, a yeah, which I didn't know what that was. I didn't even know about herpes till I came over here. I don't know who I'd be hanging out with when I was younger, wow. but I never heard herpes till I came over here. Really? Yeah. Oh, well, I still, I'm still, to be honest, I'm still not even really sure what chlamydia is. I went and got tested for all the stuff and I don't have it, but I'm still like, yeah, I, I could do with a sex education class for sure on all of it. I just found out you could get herpes on skin on skin contact. I didn't know that. I thought it was only true, like sperm and vaginal stuff. I didn't think, I'm still, I'm still very confused on all STDs and I'm 28, so... It must have been terrifying for you when you went to get tested for the first time. It was because the doctor said um, chlamydia, yes, um, whatever, yes, whatever, yes. And I thought he was telling me I have it, but he was telling me, no, I've checked for it. So I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh my no. God. <laughs> no. What a, what a, what a hole for a... <laughs> But I also got a herpes. That's awesome. That got, is so funny. I got a herpes scare. I think that's what made me do it. But what happened was... <laughs> what's a herpes scare well this is for the women out there because you know that you actually really shouldn't use body shower body shower cream in your vagina but nobody ever told me that because it's self-cleaning organism so you really shouldn't it's actually better for you it's healthier if you don't like go too much down there okay so wait hang on no 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 i have a question (laughs) are you like putting soap on your fingers and then inserting your fingers it's not lube it's not in my badge but just around there you're better off like as less as possible but anyway i'd gotten a new shower cream and i had put it down there and then i had a reaction and i thought it was herpes and before i even went to planned parenthood i called my stepmom and told her i have herpes <laughs> and she was like okay it's fine we'll deal with it don't worry about it <laughs> and then i went and it was fine and the doctor was so nice and she laughed a little and she was like no you just had an allergic reaction so that's amazing yeah and i mean in your story it's so funny for you to point out that like just with how shielded everyone is, like you weren't even sure what the appropriate way was to clean your own body mm-hmm. because you were so like sheltered from it sounds like any information about sex, which is also like, you know, it's not just sex with other people. It's our own bodies and understanding mm-hmm those and like that's sad like people should know more about their bodies and people don't tell them because they're ashamed or don't want them to be naked yes. or yes and i think it's important like my stepmother now where my brother and sisters is amazing and they're getting but i didn't grow up in that environment i grew up where it was like you didn't talk about this stuff masturbation was dirty i got accused from a young age of like oh you'll probably have you'll be pregnant by the time you're 15 or oh i bet you'll become a lesbian as if that was a bad thing like really so it was a very repressed so i think that's only coming to america and like obviously my if i had grown up more with my stepmom that'd be great but she's a social worker so just yeah Parents, talk to your children. <laughs> Don't. By the way, just since since it's come up, what what is the proper way to clean your vagina? Well, apparently you should just actually use water. That because it's a self-cleaning organism, it already has the healthy bacteria there. And that will actually stop a lot of the smelling or like weird discharge. You're not actually meant to put any products down there. Just around the, the flappy areas. 
flaps came up in our last podcast. We, we, we ended up on a little bit of a riff about the fact that there's not as many nicknames for vaginas as there are for penises. So we're, we're a flap-friendly uh, flap podcast. I like the word flappy. <laughs> I mean, the, I, I think flappy is a hilarious name. That's, I mean, it reminds me of that bird calls... game on like, the iPhone, but just like a flying vagina. That's what she calls her vagina. <laughs> oh, oh, flappy. Flappy's hungry. <laughs> oh, oh, my God. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm kidding. We actually, we are, we're actually quite, uh, we care about people. It, our jokes aren't always as bad. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking I got so lost. We're talking about your vagina. Flappy. Oh, my vagina. Um, so, uh, when you when you do the videos, you you do stuff about um, STI and education, and then in terms of uh, HIV, aren't you doing? Aren't you focusing part of your PhD is on HIV and PrEP? Yes. So the vast majority of my research is on pre-exposure prophylaxis or PrEP, um, which most of the people listening to this probably have no idea what that is. Um, it is a pill that you take once a day if you are HIV negative and it stops you from becoming HIV positive. Um, so if you are someone who is at risk for um, becoming HIV positive, um, you just take this pill and it basically makes it impossible for you to become positive. I think that there have been maybe two cases in the entire world where someone has still seroconverted, so gone from HIV negative to HIV positive while being on the medication, but it's over 99% effective when taken daily, and it's been available in the United States since 2012, and people do not know about it. But um, how much does it cost, and how, because I know what it is like in Ireland, but can you answer in America how much is it is it expensive every month? I'm not or? even sure if it's available in Ireland. It is, but it, it's is it? a version of it and it's eighty dot eighty euro a month. So um in the United States, if you do not have insurance, uh it can be up to thirteen thousand dollars a year. Oh my god. So it can be over a thousand dollars a month. Oh my god. Um if you don't have insurance, um, and you also have to go to your doctor every three months to get testing, to get a new prescription. So if you don't have insurance, you have to pay again for STI testing every six months, an HIV test every three months, and just the doctor's appointments, and then the prescription on top of it. And is it a daily, it's a daily pill? It is a daily pill. Um, so it can be extremely expensive. However, if you live in like a major metropolitan area like New York City, you can get it for free. Wow. Okay. So there are tons of places where you can get it for free. So if it's something that you want to go on, go to preplocator.com. You can put in your zip code and it will tell you what places in your area have it. And you uh, will most likely, I mean, if you can even find like a planned parenthood, um, they often have it on like an income-based scale. So you can find it in a, in a anywhere pretty much that is affordable there are even places online where you can do all the testing online and send everything in and then they send you the pills um but yeah i mean prep is prep is really amazing and the people that i see that it benefiting the most are you know people that are in serodiscordant relationships so if you're in a relationship where one of you is positive and one of you is negative like you can have sex and not have to worry about becoming hiv positive or if you are a sex worker um, mm. so, but it's, it's pretty much recommended for anyone who is engaging in, um, sex without condoms with people of which their HIV status, they don't know. Yeah. yeah. Cause it, we, the, there was an article in the Irish times yesterday that, uh, there's been a massive increase in HIV positive diagnoses in Ireland in, in recent time. In fact, apparently it's higher than at the peak of the 
AIDS epidemic, quote unquote. I don't know what the proper way to talk about that is in terms of a timeline, but uh, it is a problem and an increasing and a, a real increase in um, uh, heterosexual uh, yeah. heterosexual people being mm. diagnosed with HIV. It was thirty three percent is and fifty three is gay bisexual. Uh, 33 was um heterosexual wow that is very that's very different than the stats here we're also when it quote quite high in in europe it was a uh, 10.2 for every hundred thousand and it is six for every hundred thousand and is uh, the average for europe so it's it's, it's quite high now when, yeah and that wow. you can only sort of assume uh the reasons but I guess it's just whatever the reasons are, it's important now to get it out there if people are having unprotected sex, that the risks are high. Because I'm sure you found this, that people have started to fear it less in more in recent years, right? Yes. Uh, yeah. Yep. 100%. Actually, my dissertation focuses on um, cognitive and affective differences in risk perception as a predictor for going on prep. So... Um, because what we've found in research is that like one of the biggest predictors of beginning a prep regimen is believing that you're at risk for HIV, which makes sense. You're not going to like go to your doctor and talk to your doctor about blood pressure medication if you don't think you have high blood pressure. Mm. So you're not going to go to your doctor and talk to him about going on prep if you don't think you're at risk for HIV. Um, but people have a tendency to estimate their risk as being much lower than it actually is because right. they think things like, oh, that's not going to happen to me. I'm not someone that would get HIV or that person that I'm having sex with doesn't look like they have HIV. Yes. But then if you were to, th there's research that shows that then if you were to um, say like, hey, this is person B and they're having sex with person C, like, do you, what do you think their risk is? And they're like, oh, their risk is really high. But if you exchange it in with, oh, this is you and this is person C, they're like, oh, no, there's no risk. Oh, interesting. So when it relates back to themselves, they, they automatically downplay the risk. Yep. And as well, like I think as well, a lot of people don't realize that even with oral, a friend of mine said she'll hold off sex just to not get STDs, but she'll always blow them. And I was like, you can still get it. So that's like an interesting thing as well that people my age don't even realize. What about, is it easy to transfer HIV with oral sex? No. Oh, okay, Slow. never mind. Okay, it is, so. so, but STIs, yes. Yes. Oh, STIs, okay. you can. So, actually, when you get tested, you can ask them to um, swab anywhere that you are putting something inside you. So, you can have them swab your throat. You can have them swab your butt because you can actually carry certain bacterial STIs in those areas without it coming out in, like, a urine sample. So, if you are doing a lot of oral sex, like, you could absolutely be carrying, like, gonorrhea or chlamydia in your throat and giving it to other people without knowing it. Right. That I love that terrifying. you both look like... I was like, oh, my God, I need to go get like, my what? throat swabbed. <laughs> no, I just get tested on the regular. Okay. I need to go get tested again. <laughs> but sorry just just because um while we're, while we're we're talking about prep wh why why do we not now say everyone who's single and is having casual sexual encounters or encounters with people who like why don't we everyone just take prep so i mean so part of it has to do with the barriers it can be expensive not everyone has insurance here yes 
You know, I mean, that is, that is a huge barrier. People don't either don't have insurance, can't afford it, don't know where to get it. Depending on where in the country you are, people will not want to prescribe it to you. So it's heavily prescribed to gay and bisexual men. They're mm-hmm. at the highest risk for HIV in, in the United States. Um, and there are a lot of places in the country where doctors like, I don't feel comfortable prescribing that. If I prescribe you that, I'm telling you that, you know, you don't have to use condoms. And I, and I think you should use condoms instead. Yes. Um, so there's some, you know, religious bullshit about, I don't want to prescribe that to you. Um, and it is a strong medication. There can be side effects. All right, okay. You know, we don't know what the long-term side effects are. It hasn't been around long enough. Like all new medications, like we don't know what's going to happen long-term. Long-term side effects apparently are that you look back in your life and think it was fucking really fun. That was one of the side effects I heard. And I'll be devil's advocate here and say that I probably wouldn't take it uh, because of what you just said. I also don't take the pill either because I don't like putting anything into my body. So there is going to be people like me who aren't going to want to take something that they don't know. Saying this, I smoked cigarettes for 10 years, but you know, so I'm I'm a hypocrite, but still I would be terrified of what you just said that you don't know what the long term like I'd hate I hate even putting the pill in my body because I'm like I don't know what the facts are going to be long term yeah and I hear you and that's one of the really important reasons that you know prep is for people that are at risk of HIV because if you happen to get HIV the medications that you're going to take for Mm -hmm. the rest of your life are going to have very long-term side effects yeah that are worse than prep although prep is a is made up of a type of hiv medication but people are generally you know not people are generally not going to go on prep for 20 30 40 50 years you know until the end of their life as you would with hiv medication um so i mean it's important that you are someone who's at risk when you're taking it because you don't want to just be putting things into your body that you don't need but people also like they know if they're engaging in risk or not there might be some cognitive dissonance of saying like oh it's not going to happen to me but if you logically look at your behavior you can tell if you're engaging in risk or not and if you're someone that it would be good for and people go through different um it's actually referred to in literature as seasons of risk so people go through different periods where they engage in more risk Mm -hmm. so prep might be good for someone who is engaging in a lot of risk for three months and then wants to stop it. Like it doesn't have to be a forever thing. Um, so maybe you're someone that is going through a breakup. Yeah. And you know that when you go through a breakup, you have a tendency to act out. Or maybe you're going on vacation for a month and you plan <laughs> on having that. sex with a ton of people. <laughs> like maybe you want to go on prep for that period. Mm. Yeah. Um, I mean, there is a period, I believe it's about seven days that you need to take it before it, it is effective throughout your entire body. Um, you would want to check on that. I'm not sure if it's seven days, but I believe it is. Um, so, I mean, there are also periods of time that people may want to go on it. Because, I mean, if you're in a long-term monogamous relationship and you've both been tested and you do trust each other, you know, then maybe prep isn't oh, yeah. the right answer for you. I mean, then there's no reason maybe for you to go on it. I mean, but HIV, you know, does transmit when people are in relationships, too. People yeah. lie. People that's, cheat. Yeah, that's a, from the dishonesty side of things. So um, in your research, do you study the effects of porn on society? Or is that just you, you look at that in your own sort of on your in your own time? Well, I do look at it in my own time. <laughs> um, <laughs> so the so I do do some research with pornography, too, um, specifically looking at the effects that it has on body image, anxiety, depression, 
and then um, engaging in sexual risk behavior, so condomless sex. Um, and porn is, you know, it's not as fun to research as people think. Like, people think that I'm, like, sitting at work, like, <laughs> watching porn and, like, clicking through and marking things. And there are people that, you know, will research porn that way to understand, like, how many acts happen in an average video if you just hit refresh and how, you know, to try to determine, like, how violent is porn. Um or what acts are are most prevalent, uh, and so what I've found in my in my research is that uh, porn can have an effect on anxiety and depression, and right. an effect on how you feel about your body. Um, the research that I've done with it specifically looks at porn viewing among gay and bisexual men. Um, and most of the literature that has to do with heterosexual people and watching porn is um, has to do with violence yes. and rape. Um, and there is absolutely a correlation between watching violent pornography and committing violent acts. Similarly, there is a correlation between watching pornography that doesn't include condoms and engaging in sexual acts without condoms. The thing here is, is that correlation does not equal causation. So it's almost the what came first, the chicken or the egg argument. So are people that are violent watching violent porn because they right. just like violent things? Mm-hmm. Are people that are um, that like to have sex without condoms watching condomless porn because that's the type of sex they like to have? Or is the porn normalizing the behavior? Mm. Which is hard to say, right? It's really difficult to tease apart because you would have to do, um, you'd basically have to do a research study where your entire sample is made up of people that have never seen porn and then control the type of porn that they watch for a period of time, then follow them to see what sort of acts they engage in. Yes. It's, I mean, because a lot of people do like to make assumptions on how porn has affected our society. Yes. And I think that, you know, there's research to show that porn has had very positive and very negative effects. Some of the positive things are people learning about sex. People in Ireland are probably watching porn and learning about what they think sex is supposed to look like because they have nowhere else to get information. I mean, that's what we do here in the United States, too. But I and I wouldn't necessarily see that as a positive, though, because there's probably young... And it's going to be men that are going to... Not a lot of women, young women. Or maybe... Look, maybe it's different now, but I mean, it's going to be young people seeing... The way sex is a you know choking or like violent or i don't think there's a lot of porn showing just like normal sex or like intimate sex yeah absolutely so they're again both positives and negatives so like that could be you learning what maybe sex looks like maybe i mean you could be learning like where the penis goes if you have no sex education yeah, or the clitoris is for now. Look yeah. out. Yeah, or, or eat out, as they say here. Sorry. Yeah, so like, what do people do when they have sex? But then there is also the assumption, which is the normalizing that, like, oh, I, I, you know, I've never had sex with anyone. No one's ever told me about sex. But I guess when I have sex with a chick, like, I'm supposed to pull her hair and mm. choke her, and then I'm supposed to like smack her across the face five times before I come, because that's what you see. Yeah. So like, if you and so here's the thing, like, it's porn should not be a form of sex education especially if that is your only exposure to sex if my 
only exposure to conflict resolution was die hard, <laughs> then like I would act very differently. But I go about my life and I see people resolving conflict in a million different ways that don't end in violence. But if you're only if your only exposure to sex is pornography, then you're going to think that sex is supposed to be like porn. Hmm. Yeah, no, absolutely. But but yeah, but they do they have like the evidence that people's behavior has changed like are are do they say more young men are putting uh difficult expectations on women and how they should behave in the bedroom for example so we have seen um differences by age groups okay and younger people are watching more porn um just down to access surely right so uh, it's so easy to access now. yeah Yes, yeah. that would be my... And it's being produced more. Yes. I mean, the porn industry is growing and growing and growing. It would be impossible for someone to watch all of the porn that's ever been made in their lifetime. I think a recent statistic that I saw said that it would take like 98 lifetimes for someone to watch all of the porn that's ever been made. It's just continually growing. Um, so there have been... I'm not sure if there have been any longitudinal studies that have followed people over time, but we definitely see differences generationally. Right. Okay. So, and, and that's in perceptions and beha- as well as behavior or just just across the board? Uh, I believe across the board. I would. Um, I would have to... I would have to find a paper to like specifically yeah, pick yeah, it yeah. apart and tell you. So I'm I'm like nervous about saying like sure, this is sure. exactly what it is. But I'd also imagine you just can't do that research yet because when I was 13, 14, we didn't have access to the porn the way my younger brothers and sisters are going to have. So that's something that's just going to, you're going to have to wait and find out, I guess. So you want to hear the fucked up thing that you probably haven't thought of is not only is maybe violent pornography sending a message to men about how they're supposed to act. It's also sending a message to women about how they're supposed to act that they're supposed to maybe enjoy being treated like that. And maybe they're not supposed to say no, no, no. Yeah. That's that terrifies me. Yeah. And and kind of normalizing that behavior from her point of view Mm -hmm. as well. Yeah, I, and I think even um, I as a, I would consider myself sort of smart, but I was in a relationship where I'd asked him not to be aggressive, and then he was aggressive, and I thought maybe it was me. <laughs> I was like, maybe I should be okay with this, until uh, you know, eventually when I opened up with friends, they were like, no, you can choose to just be more that you, that's not your thing, I guess, which is yeah. So I can relate to what you're saying. I think a lot of people will as well. A lot of women. Oh yeah, just... yeah. But the only problem is that you can't a hundred percent say it was the porn. You know, like... no, no, no. Well, I'm not. I'm not. I, the... I hadn't seen the porn, but I guess it was more that I thought, well, maybe I'm not sexually experienced enough. Maybe I should like this sort of aggression. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. And not. that comes down to again where you're like, oh, a second guessing yourself if you just don't have the knowledge or the confidence to. Uh, yeah what would you think for like a se- like what would when would you what age do you think there should be a sexual education and put put into schools? Kindergarten. What is that in um, in the uh, age? Five years old. In, oh. in the Netherlands, they actually start um, sex ed in kindergarten. But it starts off with like kids learning about like good touch, bad touch, and how to like ask their friends if they can give them a hug instead of just giving them a hug. So they start to learn things like consent. 
but in such a way of like, can I give you a hug or would you like a hug instead of just doing it? So um, it starts to get ingrained in them really early. And then in the um, in the early grade years, they start to learn about like the human body and what it does and what it's for. Um, and they actually find that in the Netherlands, the um, the teen pregnancy rate is much lower than the U.S. and STI rates are much lower and people wait longer to actually have sex. Do, wow. do, do you happen to do you happen to know how long they've been doing that? I do not. Oh yeah, no, I just had I curiosity. Do not. Yeah, because it would be really interesting to see, like, the kids that grew up with it in kindergarten and where are they now, like, in their 20s and 30s and and so on. So I think that, I mean, that's the issue is that I don't think that sex education should be, like, a four-week program. Yeah. I mean, I have students for a semester and I'm like, there's so much more that I want to tell you. And it would be great if it was just this you know, continuing subject like math or English or whatever. Yeah. No, I think it should be in secondary schools, at least as a subject you have to take, like the way we have English, Irish, maths. I think there should be sex education. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't, it really doesn't take that much to get the information out there if you're just picking an hour a week to just Mm -hmm. have a discussion about it. But I I was just going to, I was going to ask you something there. Oh yeah. So you know the way that this, often there's like a chat about the over-sexualization of children or children are being exposed to, you know, uh, portraying themselves in a sexual way very early and these pressures rise. On one level, do you think that's a problem? But then on another level, do we think we're too afraid to actually expose children to conversations around sex? Interesting. That is uh, a very long sigh that I just took of, of wonderment. Mm-hmm. Um I mean, that's interesting because we do definitely like sexualize people younger and younger and younger, but we don't talk to them about sex. It's like we want to sexualize people, but not have anyone ask anything about it. Yeah. Or not know what's going on or not notice what's going on. Well, I guess I guess say more my point would be you have a situation where Janet Jackson accidentally flashes her boob and the whole world shuts down, according to certain groups of people. Uh, but at the same time, uh, you know, we won't like explain to them that one day they will be happy. Like, I guess it's just this, this sense that sex is the ultimate thing that children shouldn't be exposed to as a, as a topic, as a thing that happens in front of them. Yeah. I mean, how many of us have watched movies with our parents where violence is fine, but a sex scene comes on and yeah, you want to run out of the room? Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, mean I, we, I, I we're don't... fine. We're fine with one and not the other. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what a comfortable way to, I mean, obviously, you're talking about the way they do it in the Netherlands, which is great. But, I mean, if there's parents listening, for example, like, what age should they start talking to their children about sex? I think that, uh, I think as young as they start asking questions. Right. I think that as a parent, um, my my partner has two kids. They are going to be seven in May. And whenever they ask questions, we just answer them. Right. Yeah. Just honestly and openly. And um, it's so funny because they're exploring their own bodies now and they love to tell us about it and then want to like show us things. And we're like, do that. You know, you it's OK for you to touch yourself, but you need to do that when you're by yourself in your room. That's not something that we want to see. <laughs> <laughs> um, and they're very curious and open and they're just like, oh, OK. And they're fine with it. Um and that has been really great to see. I think that I think that you should 
answer kids' questions when they ask them. Mm. They're asking because they're curious. They're asking because they're thinking about it. If you just say, no, that's inappropriate, mm. like that's not going to make them forget about it. Also, it's, it's your it's your issue. You're you're uncomfortable. <laughs> that's I know you, you had sex to have the kid. Like at least be able to talk to him about it. Come on. I mean, we didn't talk about it in my household at all. Everything that I learned, I learned from my friends around the lunch table, which was terrible. For the longest time, I thought that screwing um, meant that a guy put his penis inside the female and then like. Like screwed around, <laughs> I, like around. spun around. Thank you. I'm like using my hands. No one can see it. Um, like spun around, like like screwing his penis into her, oh, wow. and that oh, that's yeah. what sex was because that's made sense. Why would it be anything else? Yeah, it's your blowjobs. I thought you were meant to blow on the penis. <laughs> <laughs> I've tried to do the spinny. It's very hard to spin. <laughs> it's hard to get your penis in and then, and then twist yourself around. You know that would be quite the that would be quite the porn actually two weeks in a row now porn has come up a bit katie oh, yeah. katie hasn't looked at porn she's waiting no. on a link from somebody you've but- never looked at porn no ever? no and i said in the last podcast i thought i had seen porn but it wasn't porn it was a woman having sex with a horse but that's uh what the guys had showed me as a kid but did not i never- mean that's bestiality of porn. Yeah. <laughs> i mean technically <laughs> but it wouldn't even occur to me to i never occurred to me oh i guess i was afraid i'd get viruses as well or there's that kind of I wouldn't even know what to look at. Wait, hang on, viruses? No, viruses like on yourself computer. or the computer? <laughs> the computer. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Sorry. I don't know what they tell you in Ireland. If you look at porn on your computer, you're going to get chlamydia right from the laptop. <laughs> the reason why I bring it up is actually more to do with the fact of what do you think, mm-hmm. just in your opinion, is is a healthy way to look at porn? Or, you know, what are some of the the positives for, you know, somebody like, say, Katie, sexually open person, hasn't looked at porn is it a positive thing to introduce to your life or actually if you if you're innocent of it should you remain that way just because we're talking about the positive and the negative of porn that's a great question uh i mean i think because you're an adult and you have had sex and you probably have some idea of what it is that you do or don't like like you could probably watch a ton of porn and be fine yeah. um in in one of our studies we actually do look at things like like sexual compulsivity which is not in the diagnostic statistical manual um of psychological disorders however you know we would think of looking at porn or any type of sex as like how is it negatively affecting your life so are you watching porn so much that you can't keep a job are you watching porn so much that you can't have a relationship that you don't want to have a relationship that you can't um that you can't come or have an orgasm without looking at porn because those can be issues in people's lives so we would look at ways to kind of um get around that and some of the positive aspects of porn you know I mean, you, Katie, may be able to look at porn and be like, oh, that looks like fun. I would like to explore that with a partner. Maybe I would like to try this new thing. Um, one of the things that I, I think our culture really sucks at is uh, telling women to masturbate. When you look at uh, just using children as an example, uh, if you know a little boy is, has his hands in his pants, it's like, we don't do that out here. Don't do that out here. Go in your room. If a girl does it, people are like, don't do that. Girls don't touch themselves like that. What's wrong with you? Um, and and then when it comes to actually having sex with a partner, I think a lot of women don't know how to give themselves an orgasm. 
don't know how to have an orgasm because they haven't spent the time understanding their bodies or themselves so that they're able to like you talk to any guy he knows how to come guy can probably make himself come in a minute because he's done it so many times that like in a second you can just do it whereas women haven't had that experience so like watching porn could be helpful in that way of finding out what it is that you like how to bring yourself to an orgasm and then not from porn probably, uh, but in your real life learning how to communicate that with a partner. Also think about people that can't have sex. Like people that, I mean, there are sadly people that are just like undesirable enough that like maybe you can't find a sexual partner. Porn is great for someone like that. They can still get off. Mm. Um, porn helps relax people, puts people to sleep. Um I mean, it it releases energy. Think about, I know that if I don't masturbate for five days, I'll notice that I'm in a terrible mood. And then I'm like, oh, I I need to jack off. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, 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 I espouse in my show, I do a bit about consent, but I espouse in my show the, uh, the unbelievable healing effects of blowing your load and finding that you just come back to your senses very quickly. Yeah, all absolutely. Ur- all urgency disappears. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think you're right. Like we've we've talked a lot about um, female masturbation and how, and I guess that was when I was coming into the my a side of the podcast. Just that it's like really important to do that because I learned that later. But so I, this made me think I didn't watch a porn, but uh, David Lynch movie with the two ladies, Mulholland Drive. That I've seen that, and that would have been one of the things that I was like, "Oh my god, I'm so turned on! I have to masturbate." And then I went into the bathroom and did it, and that kind of like escalated my. But I'm not, and I'm not like I don't want to have sex with women. But I was like, "Ooh, that's hot!" So it was like interesting. Where you, I, I guess you can like, like now that you're saying that, I'm like, "Oh, maybe I could watch porn and see other things that I might like." Or like, it's a guarantee that you're gonna have that f- experience. I yeah, mean, I, 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 just, I don't want to. I don't want to. I, I never wanna... thought of it. That's really good. From, that's... from that movie specifically? No, but you're going to oh. watch porn. You're going to get turned on. I think that's... that's, I think that's, that's why that's... we're all doing it. Well, I just because... <laughs> that... Everybody's just... watching it because they hate it. Well, I guess I always <laughs> thought that it was just some ugly or some like gross dude like banging some girl and she's like, come on my face. But like that was... So I mean, t- that is a lot of it. That was so tasteful, like that. those two women that I was like, oh. I mean, there is a huge variety and there is um, specifically a porn company that makes... Um, quote unquote porn for women uh which is softer and more sensual and a lot about pleasure and her giving consent and communicating what she wants so i mean there is a i mean and then there's people sitting on pies like there is a and getting <laughs> fucked by horses like there's yeah, a huge there's variety a big, a big of variation. porn but your 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 opinion of porn it, I mean, there's a, a large amount of it that is like that but there's tons of it that isn't yeah which is good then that's good about even and there's like window after window you'll you'll very quickly be able to pick the thing that you're into yeah and i'm still afraid i'm gonna get a virus <laughs> yeah but it's it's uh, it's the same as watching youtube you look at it really? on your phone look at it on your phone okay. you're, you're i don't think I'm you can excited. get a virus on your phone you yeah, get a lot you're, of you're not gonna on get a phone. virus from watching porn katie okay just so you know <laughs> <laughs> not that i'm i, I, I I'm, not, I'm not desperate for you to watch porn but at the same time you, 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 your fears around porn are <laughs> but here so speaking to people who are like me who just don't have a clue what would i even google just porn okay so you would go to xvideos.com you would go to Pornhub. you would type in anything followed by porn and it will come up (laughs) Mm. (laughs) or just check the search history of your 
roommate here. Oh no, I don't want to look at what he's into. <laughs> I think you need to do this for some YouTube content. You need to film yourself like searching for porn for the first time. <laughs> we should do it. Yeah, okay. that would be amazing. Okay, I'll save it. <laughs> but I also love that what you're saying about um, Mahal and Drive, which I've actually never seen, but heard oh, amazing great, things great about. Scene. Naomi oh, yeah. Watts and I, I don't know the Ooh, other actresses. I name. still think about it, you know, a couple of years later. And that was in America. I watched that. I only really started masturbating in America. They so. don't have that in Ireland. <laughs> <laughs> they don't have masturbation in Ireland. <laughs> no, I didn't masturbate. Or the in movie. No, I think, yeah, I think, that, yeah, my first time really getting into I think I did it like once or, but like doing it most nights is now here. And yeah, you're so right about bad mood. I am such a chiller, nicer, easygoing person since I are. masturbate yeah. every. And it made my sex drive higher. Yeah, absolutely. So. I have a question, which is quite lighthearted. Do you associate the eradication of pubic hair with porn? Because mm. I'm I'm, de- I'm desperate to know where the hell the body hair went. Oh, I have no idea. I've never because it's I've changed in my lifetime. How old are you? I'm 34. So it's kind of changed in your lifetime too, but perhaps in, in, you're, you're not as aware of it. But I am not aware of in it. The, er, at in all. the beginning of my sexual life, there was a lot of pubic hair, and now there's hardly any. Interesting. Are you upset about that? No, I just was curious if that came up in your research. Uh, Most people <laughs> anecdotally think it's porn. I would, uh, I would absolutely guess that there has been research done on it. I'm not familiar with any of it, and I mean, it would make sense that it might have to do with porn because yeah. people are looking at porn before they're having sex and th- not only thinking like this is what sex is supposed to look like, but also this is what I'm supposed to look like. Mm-hmm. This is what my dick is supposed to look like. This is what my vagina is supposed to look like. This is how my face is supposed to look like when I come. Yeah, I mean, people are learning all of these ridiculous things from watching porn. Oh yeah, <laughs> nobody, nobody, nobody makes those. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I said, come on, I'm not buying. Oh, it. I didn't know what you were doing. <laughs> yeah, see, I, I didn't. I'm not that, buying it. Man. That's the thing. I didn't learn any of those things, so I had a lot of sex. So I just do whatever face comes natural. So in one way, that's good as well, right? That I wasn't affected. Also, plus, I might look at it and be like, "Oh shit, I've been blowing people wrong for years." <laughs> I don't want to learn that. <laughs> well, you don't want to. You don't want to learn. That looks like way more work than I thought it was. <laughs> yeah. you know, might, learn, might learn something that makes it better for you. you know? True, true. Yeah, no, that's definitely uh, in uh, eradication of you. I agree with Des. Like, there's something. Something happened. Something changed because in society. I came over here, and if you guys said, "Oh, you're the first woman I've." been with that has a uh, vagina hair and then i just was like joking like oh it's a european thing but it wasn't it was just a me thing no one told me i just kept told someone told me at one stage just keep it neat but other than that no one ever told me and they're talking to younger women when i went back home get rid of it get rid of the hair so just a, a final question you've been so patient with us uh of of all your videos what what is like the the highest sort of rated one or sort of like what do you think what do you think has been your hottest topic that you've brought up i interviewed um a porn star uh, about a month ago and the second that went up i just started getting thousands of views All right. um and Who it was that? Uh, his name is Bruce Beckham. He is a gay porn star. He's won a bunch of um, adult film awards. And we just discussed, like, what is it like to work in the porn industry? How do people treat you when they meet you? What expectations do they have of you? What, you know, how would 
what advice would you give to someone if they came up to you and said, like, I'm thinking about porn? Like, how do you right. decide? Um, and we just had, like, a 20-minute conversation, and people just loved it. They ate it up. And then I recently did one um, with a doctor whose research is on squirting. Uh, so we just put up a video that is all about squirting. Um, and because people popular. seem to be obsessed with it. Yeah, that <laughs> yeah, one That one has been popular. Um yeah, it kind of, you know, it surprises me. Sometimes I do a video and I'm like, oh, this is amazing. I did a great video on sexual assault. Like, no one watched it. And then I'll do a video on um, on genital warts and tons of views. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, it's so, like, it's very, I, I don't know if it's the algorithm or, or just what maybe people are interested in and not interested in. Um, but it's kind of very interesting to see because I'll do a video that I think is amazing. And then, eh, no one cares. And then I'll do one that's like, I'm like, oh, I guess that's mediocre. And then people love it. And I think you probably experience the same thing doing comedy. Like, sometimes you have yeah. a joke that you think is gold <laughs> and no one laughs. And then you do one that you think is not your greatest joke and people like lose their minds yeah, absolutely. Oh, absolutely and same videos you put up a, a routine that you know is a killer and it does nothing and then you put up some lump of shit like some some like throwaway thing you did or like a stupid accent and it just flies online <laughs> and you're like why the fuck do i bother writing jokes <laughs> yeah yeah I must be cute I'll just be cute oh online. My God. How do you get genital warts? I'm going to have to go show you. Oh, skin to skin. That's yeah. HPV. Everybody has it. Like 90% of people have HPV. it. They don't even have HPV. You ever seen Ali Wong's routine about no. HPV? It's, it's you funny. love Ali Wong. I love Ali Wong, man. I heard you mention her on a different episode. Something about having sex with an Asian. Oh, it's like like a a dolphin. dolphin Are you listening to our podcast? (laughs) Yeah, I do my homework. How how do you feel about it? Just out of curiosity. Um, I like it. So I've, um, I so I actually was listening to the one on your feed. The, oh, when you which did the was first kind of an episode, intro. Yeah, which is, and then which I was waiting the for, app. yeah, and then I was waiting for a second episode, and I didn't realize that you had changed oh, the sorry. title. So then I like went through them and listened to two or three of them today. Um, I skipped over Wendy's because I know Wendy. Oh, you know Wendy. Um, okay. And then I went through the other ones like communication oh, cool. and yeah, yeah. I do my homework because one thing that I hate is I'm someone that loves listening to podcasts, and I hate it when guests come on shows and then like the hosts end up reiterating everything that they've talked about in the last three episodes because that person has no idea what's going on. Oh right. And then for the listener, it's like, great, I'm getting a recap. Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> That's great. Thank you so oh, much. Thanks, thanks for yeah. listening to the podcast. Yeah. Yes. I um I like it a lot, and I love your accent, Ooh. which. I, I don't know if that's a weird to say or not, but that's like fine. I no, love it. No, it's fine. I got a I got a creepy message, a little slide into the DM. Who actually I had to block in the end, but anyway. Um, but what <laughs> it's the... always fun trying to figure that out in the beginning, right? Like, is this someone I'm gonna have to block, or can they be a friend? No, yeah. Eventually, I was like, mm, I better block. But um, he said, "Your ears give no wait. Your voice gives my ears orgasms," and that wasn't the bad things he said. That was just one of the weird things he said. So Katie's accent is our, our, our sort of key to actually getting American listeners, because even though we have an Irish focus, we think it's actually accessible to everybody, you know, so we're hoping that Katie's accent will bring in all the Yanks. And I think Ireland is similar to outside of New York City. I think us being in New York City, it's like a, a different world, like a sci fi book or something. We're just like 40 years in the future. And I don't think New York City represents America. Oh, I mean, it definitely really... does not. We are living in a bubble here. Yeah. And if nothing else, the last election taught you that. Yeah. What's I mean, you... I would like to think that it's really like a, a sex dating podcast for Catholics. You know, for people that grew up with shame around sex. Yeah. Which is a lot of people, actually. Yeah. 
Yeah, I definitely had that. My mom was Catholic. Oh, really? Yeah, we weren't raised Catholic, um, but my mom was Catholic and definitely, like, has a lot of guilt and anger and frustration and then guilt because she's angry and frustrated and it's yeah. a, it's a cycle to, welcome to and there's other, but there is other religion religion in general is like a lot of re- other religions that'll make sex feel, feel shameless like no sex before marriage i'm sure there's plenty of other i'm not going to quote them in case i'm wrong but yeah no the born agains are the same yeah no yeah. absolutely oh jesus anyway thank you so much Yes, thank you very much thank for having you. me. Thank you. Anything you want to plug? Um, yeah, so you can find my uh, YouTube channel, Shit They Won't Tell You in Sex Ed, by going to sexedbythomas.com. I do a new video um, every two weeks. And then I also have a weekly LGBTQ um, advice column for Get Out Magazine, which you can also just find all of this stuff through my Instagram, which is thomaswhitfield84. Um, and I pretty much post everything there. So if you want to follow along just follow me there and thomas then whitfield always eight, the links. 84 yes so thomas and then w-h-i-t-f-i-e-l-d-8-4 katie do you have anything to we haven't been plugging our shows oh but i guess it doesn't matter yeah at katie boyle comic yeah put everything there at, at katie boyle comic at des bishop and we, you know what we must we must uh, create a gmail so that people can send yeah keep sending yeah. the feedback the feedback's great have so. them send you questions yeah. Oh yeah, we're do- we're doing that, but we always do it through Instagram, and I feel like maybe we need to create an email so that people can like create an anonymous email and send stuff in case they're paranoid. Because when they send on Instagram, it's guaranteed we know who they are. Yeah, yeah. Now, in fairness, people have messaged me saying, "Don't share my name," and we won't. If yeah, absolutely, unless you're like, please tell everybody <laughs> that and I keep it this. short, two hundred words. <laughs> yeah, yeah. People send me questions sometimes <laughs> that are that end up being like four pages, and I'm like, I don't, don't just. Yeah. Give me the cliff notes. <laughs> yeah, I've had I've had people message me questions actually, which is funny, like personal questions, which I've answered. I'm getting a lot of new friends. Oh, personal <laughs> questions about you. In relation to the like, they've said, you know, we've said something, and then been like, but do you think this? Oh, and yeah. then I've well, just responded. Brilliant. Yeah. Okay, well, let's go. Good evening. Okay, thanks for listening, and thanks to Thomas Whitfield for coming on. He's such a great man. Um. But yeah, so hope you enjoyed the episode and keep emailing us at contacttheshift.gmail.com and keep DMing us. You guys are great. Thanks so much. And um, yeah, have a lovely week and talk to you next week. Thanks so much. Bye. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Need new glasses or want a fresh new style? Warby Parker has you covered. Glasses start at just 95 bucks, including anti-reflective, scratch-resistant prescription lenses that block 100% of UV rays. Every frame's designed in-house, with a huge selection of styles for every face shape. And with Warby Parker's free home try-on program, you can order five pairs to try at home for free. Shipping is free both ways, too. Go to warbyparker.com covered to try five pairs of frames at home for free. warbyparker.com covered.